Greetings, dear witches, and thank you for tuning in to the Modern Witches Podcast, brought to you by the witches behind the Modern Witches Confluence and our Witches Gather event series. I am your host and Modern Witches creatrix, Casey Zabala, and I am here to offer this space to commune with the many multifaceted currents of witchcraft at work in our world. Together, may we collectively re-enchant our realities, both here and between the worlds. Hello and welcome to the Modern Witches podcast. This is our digital altar space where we get to explore the many multifaceted ways of the witch and how they show up in society and in our lives. And today I am very excited to be here with Zoe Greco, who is an intuitive and I'm really excited to just hear um, you introduce yourself to our community because you do so much. Um, and it's always a pleasure to hear it from the witch's mouth, so to speak. So welcome, Zoe. Thank you so, so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. And I think the best way to introduce myself is to say that I'm a multi-passionate spiritual being. I have loved the idea of witchcraft and the idea of magic since I was very little. I would say when other kids were playing house, I was up in the attic talking to ghosts and making potions in vintage apothecary bottles. Um, <laughs> it was the only game I ever wanted to play. And I feel really grateful to have grown up and I still play witch every single day of my life. Um, and I think of it as play because there's so much joy in it. And to me, I am really deeply rooted in the joyful aspects of my work. So I'm a professional intuitive. I'm an intuitive development mentor. Um, I incorporate aura reading and numerology into my client sessions. And um, for the last five years, I was also half of a sound healing duo called Rogue Reverie. Um, and so I'm a musician by uh, by heart. And in my personal world, I live in Phoenix, Arizona with my husband and our three really cute dogs. And if I am not making magic of some kind, I'm usually found in an escape room. I'm actually part of a team of four people and we've done over 200 escape rooms and we travel oh to do them. Uh, and amazing. it's one of my favorite hobbies, again, because of the playful aspect and just the immersion in fantasy and fun. Um, and I would say that's probably a good, a good introduction to who. Yes, I, I love this. Um, I was going to ask you where you're based, Arizona. Have you, Arizona. Are you from there or? I'm actually from New York. I was born in New York City, grew up in a little bit of the suburbs of New York and then in Connecticut. And then I found my way to California for college and moved to Arizona after college to study alternative healing. Um, it was not my plan to stay here, but I met my husband and we built a life in a community and there's a lot of medicine that the desert has that mm -hmm. I had never been exposed to before in my life. So to be in the medicine of the desert for the last 10 years has felt really special. And I, I think I'm still learning from the desert's magic. 
Mm, that's lovely. It's so nice to like feel grounded and mm. where you're coming from. Thank you for that Absolutely. in the landscape, you know, um, you know, our ulterior motive for this conversation is to chat about the numerology of 2024. But before we do that, I do want to just get a little bit of a sense of your background and, and when you felt that call to connect with spirit and what that unfolding looked like for you. You know, I love this question when I am a guest on other shows because I feel like my journey is just a little bit unique in that I have been supported in being connected to my intuition and myself as a spirit since childhood. Um, I feel really fortunate to have chosen the mother that I chose because she created all the space in the universe for me to be myself and to love me unconditionally exactly as I am. And I think both my parents would say that I um, came to this world with a spiritual understanding that was kind of beyond their own. Um, in fact, just a couple of weeks ago, my, my dad said to me, um, you know, whenever you say something and I don't understand it, I just assume that you're more evolved than I am. And it's something <laughs> that I have to grow to. And, and I feel so grateful to have parents that look up to me. Um, and I feel grateful for that because I was so uninterrupted in my childhood. So when I was, you know, just learning to talk and I was talking about my past lifetimes and about my soul contracts and choosing my parents, instead of having that squashed or having that silenced or suppressed, it was celebrated and there was question around it and, and, you know, inquisition, like um, inquisitive energy rather than suppressive energy. So my whole life, I was always the kid that had Oracle cards in my backpack. I still have the same decks that I've had since I was seven years old. Um, and awesome. I have been basically doing this my entire life. And it probably wasn't until college that I had even considered that it was a career, which is interesting because my whole life, my mom took me to psychic fairs and I was always, you know, working with healers and hypnotists and intuitives. And I always had role models and mentors, but for some reason, I still didn't make the connection that it could be a career path until I was studying abroad in Thailand in 2011. And there was a woman at like a yoga festival who was doing readings with the same exact decks that I had had since childhood. And I remember sitting across from her and feeling like, you know, if you can travel the world with your Oracle decks and do readings at in beautiful exotic places, I think I probably could too. <laughs> and it was in that moment that I first felt like this was a career path more than just who I am as a person. Uh, and I feel so incredibly grateful for that woman and that moment and that experience. It was clearly a divinely inspired experience. And from there, I um, moved to Arizona after college to study alternative healing and really quickly ended up being hired by the school that I came to study at to help them develop their online curriculum for their programs. And then at the age of 24, I think I started teaching at the college. I was teaching an entrepreneurship program because I'm really passionate about helping people feel empowered as entrepreneurs in their spiritual work mm -hmm. and finding reciprocity in the work that we do because it is 
such a powerful emotional labor. Um, and I think it deserves exchange. So I really like supporting people in helping them understand how to receive and have an equal energy exchange, whatever that looks like for them. Um, mm-hmm. And so I feel really lucky to have had my hands in so many cookie jars. Um, and then that led me to my own business where I've been doing this for about eight years. I want to say almost nine, nine years. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm just so grateful every day to be doing this. And I'm grateful right now to be here with you. Yeah, that's amazing. I think it's it's such an important skill to help spiritual practitioners understand how to shape their business, especially in terms of how to receive from their gifts, right? That reciprocity piece. And I think it's about educating practitioners, but it also ripples out into the wider communities we're a part of, right? Like I remember being receiving countless emails and inquiries, going to meetings with people only to find out that they had no intention of paying me for my services Mm. at the beginning of my career. And really having to have difficult conversations with people around that lack of respect. And I think when, when spiritual practitioners can learn how to be entrepreneurs, you're also, you know, encouraging the world around us to see what we do as valuable. So that's really important work. I love the way you said that. And I think too, you know, one of the things I'm really transparent about is the fact that I do have a support system. I have three amazing women that work with me. I have a marketing manager, an operations manager, and a social media manager. And my area of genius is to be a channel. My area of genius is not marketing. And I did my best and I found the things that worked until I was able to afford support. But I also, I feel like entrepreneurship and intuition go really hand in hand together because every single decision that I've made was intuitively led and seemed kind of illogical on the surface. Everyone I hired, I hired before I had the resources to truly justify that decision. But my intuition led me to each person that I'm, that I'm working with. And in fact, my operations manager who started as my assistant was actually a client of mine. And she came Mm -hmm. in for a reading and I told her, oh, you're going to travel the world and you're going to be a VA and you're going to travel with a partner and have a beautiful life. And she is now an expat living in Europe um, and has her own services. And she found me in a Facebook group when I was looking for a VA. And she said, amazing. You might not remember (laughs) me, but I had a session with you and you told me I'd be doing this and here I am doing it and I'd love to do it for you. And so that was, I want to say five or six years ago. And she's been with me ever since. And it's so amazing to, to build that type of relationship with risk and with trust um, and, you know, your own internal courage. Um, It requires a lot of those things, but I feel like honing intuition is a big part of entrepreneurship because we have to hear that inner heating, that inner call, and Mm. then have the the courage and the faith to act upon it. So if I didn't have such a good relationship with my intuition, I don't know if I would have had the same trajectory as a business owner that I've had. Totally. Yeah. The trust piece is so integral to so much of the work we all do, whether we're conscious of it or not. Exactly. Um, I'm curious. So you 
The term witch, is that something that you are comfortable using? And is it something you identify with? And if not, what is sort of the spiritual role that feels like it suits you the best? You know, I am definitely comfortable with the term witch. I think that it is, to me, a witch is a person who is conscious of their own innate power and uses tools and techniques and different approaches to honing and using that internal power. It's just ownership and recognition of your power. And I think for a long time, I was afraid to identify even as a psychic. There was that, that was a word mm -hmm. that I was really uncomfortable using. And if you ever listen back to like old episodes of my podcast or old interviews I've done, you'll hear me kind of demonize that term, which I feel like I've tried to spend some time correcting over the years, but with which especially, I feel like it is a title that I'm proud to claim to, I would say like the public, but it's actually among other witches that I find that I might be a little intimidated because my craft is still growing and mm -hmm. my approach is maybe less technical and more intuitive than those who follow specific wis wisdom traditions or specific teachers. Um, and although I would say that my whole life I've identified as a witch, like that was, like I said, the only thing I ever wanted to play with my friends is like never house, never pop stars, only witches. <laughs> they were like, play something else. Um, but as I've grown, I have so much immense respect for people who do hone their craft and who spend time understanding the lineage and the lessons and the mentors and the teachers and all these things that I feel that I am, uh, that I approach it just a little bit differently. And so I do sometimes feel a little intimidated um, in the presence of other witches, but I also know that there is no one more courageous, no one more accepting uh, and no one who I would want to align myself with more than witches, because witches are revolutionary. They are evolutionary. They are, I think every person who's ever done anything amazing in history has been a witch in their own right and their own way. Um, and so I think to call myself one, I almost feel a little unworthy, I think is the best way to put that. <laughs> well, I think it's, it's a term that carries a lot of baggage, you know? Mm. And I think that's, that can be part of it too. It's like the feeling of intimidation or the weight of it can just feel like you're also taking on maybe some of the trauma associated with the witch, you know? And I believe a lot of us who are uh, intuitive psychics, you know, spiritual practitioners, you know, we have some understanding of the the fear associated with like really standing in that role, standing in it proudly and openly. Mm -hmm. And I think the term, which holds, holds that trauma a little bit more uh, in terms of just like the historical oppression of witches. So that could be part of it. I don't know. That's just what's coming through for me at the moment. Um, I, I think for me, I've spent a very large part of my life feeling unwelcome and like outside mm. of things. And so um, in, in a way that's 
I think only made me more empathetic. Like, I think it was part of my journey to feel other. And I, and now I'm in a a position in my life where if people don't understand me or don't understand my, what I call myself or how I identify or how I express myself, I feel really comfortable with that. It's like, okay, like you don't really don't have to understand because we're all here on unique journeys and paths and we're not going to always be on the same frequency. Like I believe a lot of us are here. I feel like the planes of existence are also like you can see them in the human, like the, the planes are are visible and it's not that one is higher than the other or better than the other. We're all here doing really important things for our own soul's evolution for the evolution of the collective. So I never really create a hierarchy or like place anyone above or below myself, but I understand that sometimes other people have to do that. And I just, I feel really comfortable with that. It's like, yeah, okay. That's really fine. Like if, and because trust me, my, if you look at the comment section on my Instagram account, boy, oh boy, are there some, uh, some colorful words <laughs> thrown around and I'm a mouth like a sailor. Don't get me wrong. I'll throw a fuck here, there and everywhere. But yeah. it's when people are, you know, saying things like oh, you're schizophrenic or you're a witch or you're this, you're oh, that. Wow. It's like, I know. And, um, or my favorite thing is when I'll do an intuition test because I share intuition tests on my Instagram mm-hmm. and people will be like, it, there's subliminal messaging in this video somewhere. You have to look for it. Like she's wearing a certain color eyeshadow or something. And it's like, I'm not even wearing, I don't even own eyeshadow. I just use eyeliner. Like, I don't know. It's crazy. The things that people will look for in what you're doing. And so I think over the years of just like being a public figure and also being just kind of a weirdo, like my whole life, definitely hearing that term and having that used toward me, I've become really comfortable with like other people having opinions about me that just don't make sense to me. Um, So to bring this back to your point, uh, I don't know if that's part of it for me to, for me truly, it's like, I could care less what they think, but I really care what other witches think because I revere (laughs) them and I care about them. And, and those are the opinions that matter to me. Mm -hmm. Um, But I also, I also understand that, you know, no two witches are alike and it's so important to stand in your own unique vibration and so as even though I try to do that I still sometimes feel a little intimidated like oh I hope I hope the other witches like me yeah I mean I think it's it's real because this community I mean community of witchcraft practitioners and spiritual practitioners we are so different and we are so authentic mm-hmm. and I think that's like something that's extremely beautiful and it can also be intimidating and um, you know, you, you have to come to it with such, uh, an open heart Mm. in a lot of ways. Um, and I think more witches loving on witches, you know, that's, that's the goal here always. Yeah. Supporting girls, witches supporting witches. Exactly. Yes. Um, yeah. I'm wondering if there's like an influential figure or, or teacher in your, in your life that you wanted to share for our community. Um, just because I know that sometimes it's fun to like pick up threads of other people's practices and learn something new. Absolutely. So I would actually say, um, the person who has been the most influential on my journey is a woman who has since passed away. Um, her name was Helen Escoffier and she was the first magic worker that I had ever gotten to know. And she was 
a practitioner that I was brought to as a child and worked with until I was in college when she passed away. And although she doesn't really have any works or things that we can study or look at now, in my personal journey, just having someone who I revered and admired have so much confidence and faith in me was, I think, the most important connection. I could cry. That I ever that I ever had. And I'm so grateful to my mom for finding her and seeking her out and making the effort to help me find a role model in things that maybe she knew she couldn't provide for me um, Mm -hmm. or didn't know that she could provide for me because my mom's also very powerful. And in my more recent years, um, I've worked with a woman named Joy Woodward, who I really love. And I interviewed her on my podcast, actually. Um, she's been my mentor in numerology because that was sort of the, of all the different tools I think that are out there, we've got, you know, astrology, human design, numerology. There's so many different pathways to understanding ourselves and each other. I found that numerology just resonated the most with me. And I think it's because it's a rather intuitive um, body of work. And I really enjoy Joy's approach. Um, She is fiery. She tells it like it is. Uh, And before she would even agree to work with me, she pulled my entire chart and um, had to make sure that I was worthy and aligned. And uh, luckily I passed the test and I've had the, the pleasure of, um, you know, private mentorship with her to learn about numerology and come to understand it more deeply. And I feel really grateful for her, um, tutelage because she's just been so influential and also really knowledgeable. She's, I really love working with people who don't just read or don't just study. I really love working with people who practice what they preach, who like walk Mm -hmm. the talk because I think so much learning occurs through experience. And I love working with people who have like, you know, a couple thousand sessions under their belt to be able to say, I've seen this theme. I've seen this pattern. I've recognized this and they don't write about it in books, but actually Joy has her own book, um, which is really, really great. And I will um, send you the info for so you can link it in the show notes if you want. But awesome. Joy is just yeah. an absolute joy, and I've really enjoyed working with her as it as it pertains to numerology. Amazing, thank you for that. Of yeah, it's such a numerology is such a powerful tool because it you can see it everywhere. In my opinion, you know, you can really apply it to your life in so many practical ways, and you can use it in all of your other spiritual tools. Right, numbers are everywhere. Um, yeah. And I'd love to hear about maybe how you use it in your own life. Absolutely. Yeah. So I love numerology in my practice. Um, in my work, I use it in every session. There are certain numbers that I love to pull from people's charts. Um, namely your birthday number, which is the number of sort of your innate gifts, the things that kind of you have and your tool belt that maybe you don't even know that you have, um, your attitude number, which is kind of a number of first impressions, how people perceive and experience you. And I think that's important to understand because sometimes the impressions that people have of us are either portals or barriers. And I think it's important to know what you're radiating and what you're emitting into, into the ether so that you can be more conscious of either honing that or capitalizing on it or changing it if it needs, if your approach needs some work. 
Um, I also love the life path number, the number of kind of the umbrella of what you're here to do and experience. And then my favorite ever, the one I love to use in sessions the most is your personal year number. So each person um, were born on a certain day and you add up the numbers and the digits of your birth date to a single digit, occasionally a double digit, but you'll usually reduce it to a single digit. And that's your life path number. And then from there, we move in nine year cycles. Um, So for a personal year, I love to look at the theme of the year overall, and then I love to do a numerological breakdown of the months ahead. Um, So this month, January, which I don't know when this will come out, but I'm currently in January. uh, And this year, I've really been enjoying doing deep dive sessions with people where I will go in month by month and talk about themes and pull cards on the months as well. And just work with all my tools because for a long time I was just channeling. I wasn't pulling numerology. I wasn't even pulling cards. I was just channeling. And um, as effective as that is, I think lately I've just been really enjoying the fun and the playful energy of of Mm. using my tools. So I love looking at people's numerology. Um, In my personal world, I really enjoy using numerology in my spell work, actually. So I use a lot of numbers um, in my manifestations, in my craft. Um, When I'm doing my own like rituals and spells, I'll make sure that I include numerology. And I also experience numerology as sort of a, uh, like a trail marker. So there are certain numbers that and they change all the time. So I think I think getting attached to a certain number is fun, but not necessarily the most useful because each number has its own energy and you don't want to be stuck in a single energy mm. forever. Like you want to be progressing. So for instance, like my number is nine, but this year my number is 222. And every time that I see 222, every time I experience 222, it is a trail marker for me that I'm still moving in the direction of that Um, that path of possibility because in life we have from each moment infinite paths of possibility and I have kind of chosen one that I'm walking down and I'm trying to stay on this path and so when I see these numbers it lets me know oh I'm still on the path and Mm -hmm. I really enjoy using numerology as kind of a way to show me when I've when I've stepped off and when I've gotten back on Um, for instance this is not related to numerology but for a very long time I was dreaming about and seeing hummingbirds like everywhere and I was like okay interesting and I obviously I know you know the message of the hummingbird I understand that Um, but it felt more like some it felt even bigger than that it was like Mm -hmm. oh okay like this is a a trail marker and then I stopped seeing them for a long time and recently they've been coming back and they're like only showing themselves to me even when I'm with other people so I know I kind of quantum jumped back on this timeline of possibility so using numbers to help you understand kind of that you're moving in the right direction or confirmation, especially I think for people when we, when we see like angel numbers, for instance, people use that term a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I think it comes from the universe at large as well as our angels, Mm -hmm. but I really believe that when we're thinking of a specific thing, it's important to notice what we see, like which numbers we see and when, because Sometimes we're not conscious. We'll just be driving down the road thinking about something and all of a sudden we see 333 and then down the road a ways we see 333 again or then we see a license plate 333 and it's like, oh, okay, something's going on here. So noticing like the patterns and the themes within ourselves and the way that numbers are showing up as sort of a, a confirmation. So right. looking at my own personal numerology, I always pull the numerology of my um, 
my team. I love doing the numerology of my team. I love doing the numerology of my spouse at the beginning of the year and talking to him about kind of the themes that are showing up for him in the new year. Um, I love the portal of the new year to explore numerology, but it's useful all year long. It's useful all the time, every minute. Um, but yeah, in my personal practice, I use it for fun. I use it for um, exploration. I use it for confirmation and I use it for direction. Hmm. Awesome. Yeah. I think, I think that's such an important note to be, you know, it's one thing to see the numbers, but it's another thing to really understand that added layer of, you know, what is happening psychically or symbolically in my life that is that those numbers are pointing to or directing you towards. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that step is the hardest one for folks and probably the one that, you know, as you're developing your intuition, you can really start to tap into more and more. Absolutely. And I think even just having a relationship to numbers one through nine, kind of understanding the flow lines. So for instance, like six, when you look at a six, it looks like a pregnant woman. And that's what we call the flow line, like the direction that the, the letter or the number goes in. So with a six, you're always dealing with themes of home, heart, family. Um, it's very often known as like a, like a, a year six is known as the year of marriage and divorce. Like it's where home and family and nurturing six is a very nurturing um, motherly number. And you can even see it in the flow lines. The same with four, for instance, four is the number of organization structure. And we see that in its composition. So even just to understand what the theme of the numbers is kind of at least one through nine, we can begin to understand the themes that are either being spoken to us or in looking at our numerology with a really quick scan, you can say, oh, this is a personal month one for me. This is about new beginnings. This is about maybe doing things a little bit more independently, about tuning into my own energy. Maybe I'll feel a little bit isolated this month. That's okay. That's that's you know what I'm here to experience. It also gives, it kind of gives meaning to the things that we're experiencing. And one of my favorite things ever is when a client tells me what's happening in their life and then it reflects their numerology because I just love to be able to tell people you're right on schedule. You might feel right. like you're a little behind or a little ahead or you're a little confused. You're right on schedule. And I, it's one of, my, one of my favorite feelings to see the way that life and numerology reflect one another. Mm. And also offering that level of confirmation, I feel as an intuitive reader myself, really just being able to witness someone wherever they are on their path and confirming that they're, they're right where they need to be. Mm -hmm. That's a beautiful gift. I think. I think so too. I feel really well, fortunate. Yeah, it is. It is an honor to do the work that we do truly. And I'd love it if we could talk a little bit about 2024's numerology for our listeners. Definitely. Let's so dive in. So I think the most important thing to note is that there's there's layers of numerology, right? So we've got a collective 2024, which when you add up together, two and two is four plus four is eight. So we are in a collective year eight. Um, and it also can be important to understand how the themes of the collective are affecting your personal themes and your personal path. So for instance, it's a collective year eight, but you might be in a personal year six and 
those forces can sometimes feel like they're maybe not totally in flow or in sync with one another. And it's important to realize that what's happening on the level of the collective obviously includes you, but it doesn't revolve around you. And it's important to maybe sometimes create a little bit of, of differentiation or discernment between the two, because I think they're both important and they both impact us, but um, they're happening on two different levels, you know? So collectively in a personal year eight, eight is when you look at the flow lines, it's that infinity, right? And it's also, um, it's also known as the number of like money and abundance. And um, personally, I think we can look at what is happening in the world. And we are in the beginning stages of an absolute revolution. Um, we are birthing a new earth altogether and there are systems that must be eradicated. And so I think capitalism is like one of those things or just certain ways that we engage with abundance that are not healthy and not mm -hmm. natural. And our relationship to abundance is being invited to change on a collective scale. And so this year, we may find personal successes. We may also find personal setbacks. And it's important to explore where and why these things come into our field. Is there something about our relationship to money, something about our relationship to abundance that is out of balance? And one of the things that's really important to note about life path eights, just to give you some information about this, people who have a lot of eights in their chart really struggle sometimes just because you have an eight in your chart doesn't mean you're going to be a Rockefeller sometimes it means that your relationship to money will be very turbulent you might have this revolving door that infinity sign of kind of coming into it and losing it and coming into it and losing it so exploring where eight is in your chart maybe it's a karmic debt number maybe it's a life path number exploring where it is in your chart will help you kind of understand how you can relate to the theme of this year overall but collectively, it's an invitation to explore our relationship to abundance, our relationship to wealth energetics, our relationship to the shared idea of how money works in our world and our society, which looks different, you know, location to location, but also person to person, and maybe even going as deep as saying, you know, our lineage, like how, what have we inherited in relationship to abundance and finances? I also think eight is um, it's a welcome number because we're coming right off of a personal year seven, I mean, a collective year seven, which is all about going inside and sort of asking ourselves what matters the most to us. Like where are our priorities? It's kind of a year to pause, take a step back and explore and examine what is and isn't working for us. So I like to use the metaphor of climbing a mountain. So in your year one, you are at the bottom and you're starting this trek up the mountain. And by year seven, your backpack is pretty full. It's pretty heavy. You've been picking some stuff up, maybe collecting trash along the way because you're a conscious, loving person. Maybe there's some things you started with that you're realizing you might never use, like that you know, extra measuring cup set or whatever you packed. And it's a year to kind of take a step back, take off the backpack, open it up and go, 
what do I need to help me get to the top? And what can I let go of? What can I leave behind? What can I leave maybe for someone else who might need this? Or what isn't in alignment with me anymore? Or even we might ask ourselves, is this even still the mountain I want to climb? Is this still the direction that I want to go? So coming off of such an introspective year of really deep personal inner examination and asking questions and being willing to ask hard questions of ourselves and maybe provide some hard answers into a year where we kind of have to practice what we preach and walk our talk is I think a really welcome invitation because you can make all the important decisions in the world, but if you don't have the opportunity in the landscape to put them into practice, how will you know if you're really growing or expanding or changing? So really this is a year for us to practice what we preach, to put our, um, our words into action. And one of the greatest things, like pieces of advice that I can say for anyone with eights in their chart or someone wanting to work with the number eight would be, it is about balance. You want to make sure that just like we talked about with spiritual entrepreneurship, finding reciprocity is so important, finding balance and also making sure maybe you're in a position of taking more than you're giving, examining that relationship. Are you in a position where you've made a lot of money and you haven't necessarily been putting that into altruism or into your community or even into your family or have you been, you know, hoarding your money and not rewarding yourself for the things that you've been doing, the hard work that you've been putting in? We have to also experience reward, right? So it's all about finding and striking that balance. And one of the most important things that we see with eights is that if you are an eight or you have an eight, you're working with eight and you don't necessarily have a spiritual practice that grounds you, whatever that looks like for you, it could even be religion. It doesn't have to be loosey-goosey spirituality. It can be anything. (laughs) If you don't have something that grounds you in the why, you get really lost in the sauce of the human experience and the glitz and the glam and the, uh, you, you misunderstand money. And money is actually, in my opinion, a force uh, of energy that seeks a place. That's all it is. It's like a force of energy that seeks a place. And I believe that money trusts those of us who will use money consciously, lovingly, and effectively for ourselves and others. And I really believe that when we step out of touch with that type of relationship with money, understanding that it is a force and can be used for good and can be used for others. Um, We can still accumulate a lot of it, but at what cost? Like what Mm -hmm. other price are we paying in our lives? Uh, And so it's a really positive year to reflect upon your relationship to abundance and what it might cost you in terms of the relationship you have with abundance. Are you an overworker who doesn't have a personal life? Are you someone who... Um, is dependent on other people to support you and what kind of cost is that putting on yourself but also the people who are you know extending themselves to provide so just examining those themes and understanding the way that it shows up for us on the whole and in the micro on the macro and the micro Hmm. so a long answer to your question but oh such a good answer no lovely I think it's it's such an important uh, theme for this year is understanding and situating your relationship to money and basically like really defining what money is for you. And I loved your definition or maybe it's not a definition, but the way you relate to money as 
like trusting that those who use it consciously will um, have enough, yeah. right? Um, and, you know, thinking of money as an energetic resource mm. uh, is really important. And I think especially in terms of, yeah, thinking about all the systems that need to be dismantled at this time, you know, how can we shift our relationship to money from this like extractive exploitative model of capitalism mm. to one that as you were speaking, I was really feeling the energy of that infinity symbol, that eight and the flow that exists there um, between the two sort of like nodes in that symbol. Uh, yeah. It's generative. It's reci reciprocal in a lot of yes. ways. Um so I feel that's really inspiring. It could be a beautiful symbol to work with just generally in your business and your personal money healing this year. Too the idea that, you know, to always be in receptivity is it, it, there's an imbalance in either direction, right? Like we, we can either be in, in lack or excess and, and neither is balanced and I really believe we see, you know, we're seeing these billionaires who like, I think a good example of this is last year with the, um, with the submarine explosion, there were a lot yes. of people who were saying, good, they deserve it. They're rich and they were using their money in such a weird way and blah, blah, blah. And I just want to remind, and I, I used the opportunity at the time to say like, Hey guys, totally eat the rich. And also these are people like there, there was a child on that, on that submarine, you know, like that was someone's child. They're all someone's children. And there's something to be celebrated about an, ex, you know, an, an adventurous and exploratory soul. Like it's, it's brave to, to go down into the ocean. I mean, yeah, there was a ton of things, right. That didn't go right. And a lot of oversight and a lot of negligence. And there's so many pieces to that puzzle, but to explore just one side is imbalanced. Like there is life is duality and to live in either side of duality, uh, either side of duality singularly is not to live. So I think it's really important to remind ourselves that we will have excess and we will have lack. And I know in my business, there are seasons when I'm less busy and seasons when I'm more busy. And I used to get all panicky when it was like going away. I was like, oh, it's going away. But my business always shows up for me. And so mm -hmm. when I needed rest, my business provided rest. And yeah. I wasn't utilizing that rest because I was getting all worked up and all concerned and get, getting myself into an energy opposite of restful energy. So to understand too, that we can trust money. Like I trust money. I trust that money shows up when I need it and how I need it. And to be able to provide for others and to do amazing things. And also when it's not as necessary and maybe there's only a certain amount and it has to flow into someone else's life. I respect that too. Like, because we are a collective and we operate in a system currently where there are finite resources, it's important to understand that like, it's not maybe always our turn, you know? And like to, to know that when another person benefits, we still all benefit, right? Like we still, because we're, we're connected through oneness. So every, every penny that you earn is a penny that I celebrate because I trust, I trust money and money trusts you. And therefore I trust you to do great things with that money. And I just believe yeah. that that's the way that it can flow. Absolutely. That's such, it's, it's such an important thing. I think for a lot of us too, who are, um, 
extremely disillusioned by capitalism, it could be really hard to get into a place where we can trust money because we see it as we see it as capitalism. Correct. Um, but it's not. You know, it's it's the it's an energy that we could utilize to empower ourselves um, and empower other people and create abundance for not just ourselves, but for our communities. And if we can shift into maybe that framework this year, maybe eight will help mm-hmm. us. Um, I think there's a lot of space to grow and also to defeat capitalism. You know, we can turn it on its head. We can like really break that spell that's been cast over us for so long. Um, hope so. Right. Well, you know, one of the things that has been coming up a lot in session recently is women specifically, um, or female energies stepping into deeper financial literacy. I think Mm -hmm. it's really, really important for women, myself included. Like I have so much that I can learn about investment and understanding how to because money is like also it's it's a seed right you can plant it and it can grow so I really believe that women especially or female energies are being called forward um, or even the female energy within each person is being called forward to relate to money and the more that we can empower feminine energies and and uh, you know women especially I think to build a relationship to financial literacy, we will be able to change the flow of finance. I think Mm -hmm. money is a slave to capitalism and money is a slave to patriarchy. Like I, I see money as, as being abused truly. Like I believe that money is being abused. It's being held hostage. It's being held captive. It's being misspent. It's being trafficked. Like I really see money as an entity that deserves love and kindness and care and respect, not abuse. And so when I think about these systems that we live inside of, I think of money as one of the entities that suffers through these systems. Not it's to me, money's not the oppressor. It's the oppressed. It's like the punished. Mm. Um, And we all experience that as well as people who are dependent in this society upon money. So growing our financial literacy, growing our relationship to understanding how to plant our seeds, water our seeds and grow our crop is so important because we're putting the power back in our hands. Um, Totally. Something that I think can be very powerful this year. And Mm. maybe something that I might even be called to do at some point is like pull, pull people into circle and and find someone to, to, you know, to guide us collectively, because I just think it's money can be spiritual. And I remember very early in my career, people saying things like, if you were spiritual, you wouldn't charge money for what you do. Right. And I remember being like, ooh, wow. Like that, I remember feeling the impact of that conversation and that, that comment and feeling misunderstood because I knew I was doing really deep work. Like I knew what I was doing was valuable, but people were telling me that it wasn't, which is, it sounds like you also experienced. Um, but on that, that topic, I also want to say something that I have mentioned that sometimes can feel a little controversial is that, um, over the years, my prices have increased quite a lot. And in that experience, the, the experience I have as a provider has also increased a lot when Mm -hmm. I was charging very little, for my work, I had people coming to me saying, how can I voodoo this guy into loving me? Or how can I trick this person? And I was like, oh, this isn't really the work that I want to be doing. Mm -hmm. And so when I started asking people to make bigger investments in the work, the work 
also changed in its value. Um, and that, I think that's really important as well as understanding the value of what we provide and maybe examining the ways that we are experiencing reciprocity around our offerings this year, um, whether that is monetarily or just even energetically, because money is energy and energy is energy, right? So this year is not just about money. It's about abundance in all forms. It's about finding balance in all forms, in joy, in um, love, in opportunity. We can have abundance in, in any form. So examining where we are imbalanced and where there is scarcity and abundance or excess in any area of our life. Right. Yeah. And the value piece is so important too. Yeah. Uh, separating value from money, right. Is like the value of having spaciousness in your life or the value of, you know, being able to take breaks. You know, I think there's, there's a lot to be said for that as well. And I think, you know, as witches, as spiritual folks, we have a lot to uh, work against. You know, there's a lot working against us, historically speaking. I think it's interesting that comment, you know, if you're so spiritual, why are you charging money? Mm -hmm. um, which really comes, in my experience, it's come from people who um, are on the religious end of the spectrum, oftentimes. Very often. And it really struck me, I finally put the two and two together that people who are indoctrinated by Christianity um, in its dominant oppressive forms, there are forms of it that are not, and that's great. Um, but, you know, the church has worked from its onset to discourage uh, alternate spiritual forms. Absolutely. You know, it, it is a machine of dominance in a lot of ways, um, historically speaking. Uh, so it's important to realize uh, that there are a lot of forces at work that are keeping spiritual folks from attaining power because mm. our spirituality is empowering people to be on their unique path and to sort of cast off the imposed limitations of society, religion, etc. So it's a pretty threatening role we hold as spiritual practitioners uh, and I think, I don't know, astrologically speaking, you know, looking ahead at what we have in store, I think spiritual folks are really going to have to gather together in community, support one another to really, you know, celebrate the value of what we do and also protect each other. Uh, You're making an excellent point as well. My, my husband grew up in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints or Mormons, mm -hmm. and um, as I have joined his family and witnessed the church from, from the inside, because I'm actually from a place where we don't have an active Mormon population. I never consciously met a Mormon person until I met my husband. Mm -hmm. It's been really interesting to see the church as an industry, uh, right. as a business. Yes. And if you think about it, we have all these major churches, the the Mormon church, the Catholic church, you know, other Christian churches, we have tons of different religions and they are businesses. They have a great deal, a great deal of money at their disposal. And I think that's why it's so important for spiritual folks to connect to financial literacy and to connect to their 
personal wealth because it is our personal wealth that we use just as you know the church uses theirs it's like Mm -hmm. basically we're just gathering our resources because we don't you know insist on tithing within the spiritual community the way that churches do there's different ways that we engage with finances and so for us to kind of find an equal footing it's also a little bit different because we're not putting the money in the hands of like this overarching power it's in the hands of each of us right and I think that that is what will really be the game changer. Just as I reflect intuitively into the future, this idea that it's no longer going to be like localized, it will be in the hands of each individual soul and person using their resources for the things that they feel are important and matter. And as that audience also grows its collective consciousness and its awareness of oneness and humanity and human decency, I think we're going to be using our money really differently. So this is a good time to begin to collect those resources so that we can put them into use in a way that is different than how we've been doing it as a collective for quite a while. Totally. Yes. I sincerely hope that to be the case, holding that for us in our community, for sure. Me too. I definitely see, I mean, I don't know, as we're talking, I was like, I wonder if Zoe will be doing some entrepreneurship stuff. I know. I don't know. I know you have your mentorship program. It's always been asked of me. And I think there's, there's like stages. And I also think there are a lot of people who want to teach you about how to run an effective business. Um, They don't always work with spiritual people, but more and more I'm seeing spiritual entrepreneurship, you know, taking its rise, which I think is really important. I've kind of even though this is something I love to talk about and I love, I love being transparent. Like you can always ask me what I'm making, what I'm earning, what I'm spending, what I'm spending it on, what I'm investing in, like what I'm, you know, I, I believe in having open, transparent conversations. Um, and I also in those conversations have to acknowledge my privilege and where I come from and my background and, you know, not only the privilege that I was born into, but also the privilege that I have created with my husband. Like he's, a very successful person. And I feel so grateful to have him as a role model, as an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. So I've, I know that there are people who want to make that work happen. And I love having those conversations. However, I feel that I've, I'm a little bit of a softer place to land for spiritually curious people. I find that like people who are spiritually curious find me approachable And even though like I would love to be talking more in like the 5D, I spend a lot of time with people in the 3D talking about exploring, like going toward the 5D, like, oh, wouldn't it be cool to go there? What's it like? And, Mm -hmm. and I feel really, I feel grateful. I I feel a lot like a, like a doula. I don't really plan to have children. It's not in our, it's not in our story. We don't think we don't know. We'll find out. Uh, But at the moment, it doesn't feel like it's part of our story. And I really love to mother everyone in my life, including my clients, and just be like a safe place to land when you get here. I kind of think of it like I'm a welcoming agent when you wake up. Um, so very often people will have their awakening and they'll go, I, I need someone to help me figure out what just happened here. So they'll come find me, however they do. And I'm like, hey, welcome. Good morning. Like, it's so good to have you here. Like, let's <laughs> talk about what happens now. And I feel, I feel so grateful for that role and I love to be a soft place to land. Um, but I'm also 
I'm an Aries and a Sag moon and an Italian American. And I have a real, I'm a, and a New Yorker. So I have a real fire, fiery, feisty side. And I love to tell it like it is. Like I'm, I'm not afraid to tell the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth. Um, <laughs> but I, but I find that I personally just have figured out a way to do it kindly and compassionately. And so I don't know if business, like if entrepreneurial, spiritual entrepreneurship is something I want to teach, but it's something I want to support and it's something I advocate. But I also just love the idea that I'm, I'm, you know, I'm only in my early thirties. Like I have the whole rest of my life to teach stuff and learn stuff and share it with other people. So I just hope my work always evolves. Like, I hope I'm never, I hope I'm not doing the same thing forever. Uh, because otherwise I'm not really serving humanity because humanity is always evolving. So I just want to keep up and just be maybe a little, like a little step ahead so I can help other people figure out what they're doing. Awesome. Yeah. Well, I think that's the beauty of witchcraft, right. And spiritual practice is that there's always more to learn. Uh, and I really, really deeply appreciate that as someone who's always craving more wisdom and more perspectives. So so I think, Yeah, I think we're all in it for the evolution, which is great. And I'm curious if you would be able to share maybe a practice or a piece of advice uh, for someone who is just waking up, like what would you tell them? What would be a good sort of grounding piece of magic they could take with them? Hmm. I really believe in the power of creating a daily dialogue with spirit. I think people feel that a conversation or connection with a divine is out of reach for them and is reserved for people like you and I who do this professionally. And my hope with my clients is always that they will outgrow me and they will stop using me and they will find the empowerment within themselves to utilize their own channel Uh, And so my biggest advice is to create a daily dialogue. And I personally really love working with Oracle cards. I've actually published two decks uh, myself because I really, really believe in Oracle decks and the power of them. And also growing up, you know, I didn't have someone around necessarily to teach me the language of the tarot. So Oracle was just always there in plain English, like with no symbolism, just to tell me what I needed to know. Uh, And so for anyone who's curious in beginning, if you're intimidated by pentacles or, you know, or wands, um, you know, you always have oracle cards that speak a little bit more plainly. uh, And just creating even five to 10 minutes a day to pull a card and say, spirit, what would you have me know today? What would you have me know today? And to do some metacognitive journaling around it, just letting whatever comes through, come through. This is one of the most powerful ways that I think we can begin to develop a more two-sided relationship with spirit. I think a lot of uh, religion, which a lot of people come from, right, is just very, it's very one-sided. It's like you pray to God and then God will bless you or not, depending on how good you were, like Santa Claus or something. And I think that there is such empowerment in developing a two-way line of communication between yourself and the divine. So whatever that looks like for an individual, I respect completely. I just find that, you know, a little bit of oracle pulling and some journaling is one of the most approachable, 
um, affordable, direct ways to do that. And even, you know, you can pull an Oracle card for free online if you don't want to invest in a deck at this time. You know, there's always ways to to play with that practice and mm -hmm. invite it into your life a little bit at a time. I love that. Yes, that is, is such an important place to begin developing that connection, that communion with spirit. And tell us about your Oracle decks. Do you want to share their names? And they're oh, they're yeah. gorgeous. First Thank of all, you. oh my gosh! So, um, my I have the Mystic Rebel Oracle deck, and then I also have the Mystic Rebel Crystal deck. So, the Crystal deck um, uses ooh, uses the energy of different crystals and the messages of each stone. So, I sat with the energy of each stone and channeled messages from um, all of these different stones and I feel such a connection to crystals I always have I personally think crystals are aliens that are on the planet and they all have messages um, and there's so many cool studies about crystals and the way that they hold information so I think crystals are here with messages and I channeled the messages of those crystals and then in the oracle deck um, this was just me channeling from the universe collectively um, through my own personal voice sharing sort of it's like basically like having a best friend in your pocket that gives you that encouragement and that clarity um and I tried to make it kind of like fun and playful so for all my my actual friends that use and buy my decks which is like so sweet of them they always tell me this sounds literally just like you like this is like having you give me advice all <laughs> the time and I always like if I could I'd be everyone's best friend like I love people I love humans I think we're all so cute we're really just trying our best and really love us so much and the cute things we do for each other and so I just wanted to find a way to be in people's pocket and be a friend to them um, but also I really love the idea of co-creating with the universe so I sat and said what do you want me to tell them and I'll tell them in a fun way and that's kind of how we developed it but very true to my nature. I wrote both at the same time. Like I never just take on one thing, which I feel like I should learn how to do it. <laughs> but uh, I channeled both of these at the same time and worked with two different amazing artists, Kristen Denreath and Rachel Day. They're both so, so, so talented. And um, these were a labor of love uh, many, many years ago. And there's more to come, but these are the two that I have currently. Amazing. That's awesome. We'll be sure to link those in our show notes and please tell our listeners how they can connect with you. Oh, listeners, uh, you can connect with me by visiting merhipsy.com. That's M-E-R-H-I-P-S-Y.com, um, which is my business, Merhipsy Healing. You can find my podcast anywhere you like to listen. Uh, it's the Mystic Rebel Podcast, and you can access my podcast, my oracle cards, my numerology reports, my sessions, my services, all of it is right there on my website. And of course, you can connect with me on Instagram and TikTok at the underscore Merhipsy. Those are my only accounts. I will never DM you for a reading. Please be so, so careful of scammers. I am verified no. on Instagram, but not on TikTok. So please be careful and know that I would never tell you something's wrong with you and steal your money. I promise. I will not pop up in your DMs unless you message me first. We just won't. We just won't. Yeah. It just won't. <laughs> it's just not going to happen. Yeah. 
Oh, well, thank you so much for sharing your witch's journey with us. It was a real pleasure to have this conversation. And I'm so excited that we went to so many deep and interesting places. And I'm so excited for our listeners to react. So leave us a comment and let us know what you think. Thank you so, so much for having me. I feel so grateful. And your energy is very grounding. It's very calming. I feel like feel like I'm changed in your presence so I really enjoyed being in your energy I feel like I was really in your energy today even though I was doing a lot of talking and I just want to thank you for letting me be in your energy and share my my voice and my essence with your audience and I can't wait to get to know them and I'm so excited to have you on the Mystic Rebel podcast pretty soon so listeners check that out for sure because I know you've got some amazing things to share and say too I am so excited to be on your podcast. We're going to talk about tarot a little bit and build off of what you talked about, about this year of eight numerology. So I'm excited to continue. Perfect. Thanks, Zoe. Take care. This episode is sponsored by Odyssey Theater, presenting Fanny Era's Lilith on February 23rd, 24th, and 25th, 2024, in the heart of San Francisco's Mission District. In this performance, Fanny Era reflects on the journey of Lilith, a female symbol of independence, freedom, and control over destiny through experimental and improvisational flamenco dance. Does liberation have a prize? Are we the prisoner of our freedom? In Lilith, Era exposes the weight of the chains she once had to carry, self-inflicted as well as imposed by the expectations of others. She takes us through the mesmerizing journey of a fight towards growth, acceptance, and liberation. Era reaches a point of maturity, embodying strengths, and courage that came from years of experience in assumed choices. Learn more and get tickets at odc.dance slash Lilith. See you there. Thank you for tuning in to the Modern Witches podcast. We hope you've been inspired to cultivate your own magic and to craft your own spiritual practices. Let us know what sparked your curiosity by leaving us a comment on this episode or leave us a review. And don't forget to subscribe to the show so that you never miss an episode. Your feedback and engagement truly fills our cups. If you're looking for more ways to gather with your fellow witches, please support our work on Patreon. Learn more at modernwitches.org. Blessed be.